All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so, so very much uh, for a new season. Uh, and every day, we get closer to a day where we can meet together again uh, and hopefully uh, not so inhibited by masks and things like that. Uh, but we're willing to do whatever it takes, Lord, to come together and have community once again. We pray, Father, that your spirit would be here as you have been here every single week, and I thank you for that. I pray, Father, that you would bless us as we continue with our worship service and that we would be so convinced of your presence in our lives uh, because we will have noticed that the enemy has been pushed away and that we are surrounded by holy angels and by your wonderful, awesome wisdom of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are starting a new series uh, this week called In Pursuit Of. And uh, for this Sabbath, we're going to be talking about In Pursuit Of Strength. Next week will be In Pursuit Of Truth. And the week after that will be In the Pursuit Of Lasting Joy as we get into Thanksgiving. And so I'm excited about this these next three weeks. You'll be stuck with me for those three weeks, but uh, I'm excited about it, so too bad for you if you're not. Uh, but I'm like actually looking forward to this series. Uh, I've never done this series before, so I'm, I'm excited about something new like this. Uh, so today it's going to be in pursuit of strength, and uh, let's, uh, let's get going. Good to have you here that are, that are here live, and uh, welcome to our guests that are watching us online. So how many of you uh, have heard of Christopher Reeve? Christopher Reeve, yeah, I see some hands up. He's an actor best known for his role in the movies Superman, right, Superman. And, and uh, most of you know that in May of 1995, he fell off a horse and was paralyzed from the shoulders down. It was pretty tragic. There's something sadly ironic about seeing Superman in an electric wheelchair, not able to move. Uh, at that time, he had a special straw that he could blow into because he couldn't even move his hands. And, and the wind is what, the, the breath is what helped that electric wheelchair to move around. Uh, which is very interesting. It's amazing what we can do uh, with science these days. He wrote this statement, and I wanted to read it to you. And he says, who knows why an accident happens? And I would say, or pandemics, or hurricanes, or fires, or injustice, or dot, 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 name it, Right? Who knows why these things happen? He says, the key is what you do afterwards. There is a period of shock and then grieving with confusion and loss. And after that, you have two choices. One is to stare out the window and gradually disintegrate. And the other is to mobilize and use all your resources, whatever they may be, 
to do something positive, and that is the road I have taken. And then he says, a superhero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. A superhero is an ordinary individual like you and I who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. I don't know about you, but 2020 for me has been my year to find strength to persevere. There's been times during this year that I found myself at times needing physical strength when I could hardly even stand up because of an injury to my back. There were times this year where, and I'm sure all of you can, can relate to this, that I needed emotional strength. I needed somebody to come beside me and cheer me on, somebody to come beside me and give me the strength to go on one more week, one more sermon. There's been times in my life where I've needed spiritual strength. When I felt like, you know, if I'm not connecting with God on a regular basis here, I'm going to lose it. This has been that kind of a year for me. I don't know about you. I'm just getting vulnerable with you. There's been times this year where I've needed, I felt I needed personal strength, character, where, where I, I knew that if, if I was not careful, I might say the wrong thing to the wrong person, or I might do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and I needed character, I needed personal strength. I came across some very humbling passages as I pursued strength these past few months. No self-help book or guru could ever compare to the strength that God has for us as it is described in the scriptures. So I want to look at uh, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I'm actually going to read this one from the Message Bible. I love this. The psalmist says, I look up to the mountains. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? I mean, they're big. They look powerful. And he says, no, my strength comes from God. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, it comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. In other words, my strength doesn't come from the created thing. I realize that my strength comes from the creator. And too often we look for strength in the created things. And I had to ask myself, so what's been my mountain? I mean, where do I look for strength? Do I look for strength in God or do I look for strength in other things? And I, again, if I'm going to be vulnerable, if I'm going to confess to you, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to let you know that, that there are times when I'm looking for strength in God, but there are times when I'm looking for strength in something else. And usually, when I'm looking for strength in something else, it goes wrong. So as I was doing this research, I was having, I went through this kind of incredible journey to find out where did God's people get their strength? Where did God's people get strength? 
And so uh, I want you to go on this journey with me. Would, you, would that be okay? We're going to look at some Bible passages, and there's some pretty interesting things. The first one is found in Nehemiah chapter 1, 1 through 5. And it says this, the words of Nehemiah, son of Akaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, I practiced that, by the way, Anani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other man, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. In other words, brother is back, and he's like, how, how, are, how is our family? How is our brothers and sisters? Uh, how, how, how is Israel? How is Jerusalem? And of course, his brothers did not have a good thing to report. They said to me, those who survived, which suggests that some did not, those who survived the exile are, and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. So they've survived, but they're not doing well. And then the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And then it says this, When I heard these things, Nehemiah writes this down for us to read and to be recorded for all through the centuries so that men and women would know this about him. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. How vulnerable is that, huh? Not only to do it, but to do it in front of your brothers. And not only to do it in front of your brothers, but to do it in such a way that it is recorded forever. And then he says, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So this went on for some days. And not only weeped, but he prayed and he fasted. And he was, there was this, suddenly this burden came upon him. So here comes the very first way that we get strength. Are you ready for this? When what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, we find incredible strength to change what could be, what should be, but isn't. When what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, it causes us to pause while everyone else is moving. There's this inner voice. Wait, wait, what, what is going on here? And then it causes us to move towards the scary. When what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, we learn from Nehemiah that it drives us to our knees and it compels us to courageously attempt even the most intimidating tasks. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer in Persia for the king. And if you don't know what a cupbearer is, basically this is what it comes down to. He tasted the drink and food of the king before the king tasted it. Does that make sense? So that if he got sick and died, the king wouldn't touch it. It's a job, isn't it? I mean, I tell you what, if there's any job that would lead me to my knees, that would be one. 
And that was his job. He is a servant or a slave in a foreign country, and he is serving a foreign king, and he's doing a job that's very, very dangerous. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, tells us what happens next. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king, which meant that he had already tasted it. It wasn't poison. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, probably right before he takes his first sip, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? You're not ill, right? <laughs> like, like nothing is wrong with you, right? Because I'm about to take a sip of this wine. This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And listen to the next few words. Again, vulnerability. Unbelievable here. This comes, this is very important towards the end of our, of our sermon today. He says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Suddenly he has the strength because what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks his heart. And now he has this amazing strength to say something to the king, even though he is much afraid. And he says, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire. I mean, really? Why should my, why should my face look sad? And the king said to me, what is it? that you want. Then I pray to the God of heaven. I love this. Have you ever done a quick prayer? You know, Paul says, pray without ceasing, right? Have you ever prayed, but you're not like, okay, hold on. I don't think what Nehemiah did was like, okay, hold on a second, I'll be right back. And he gets on his knees and he prays. No, I think he's right there and he's like, okay, Lord, I need... I need some strength right now. I need some words right now. So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and he asks something that a servant would never ask. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Did that just come out of my mouth? I mean, I really think that's what he said to himself. Did I, did I just ask that? When what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, we embark on a passionate pursuit of God's purpose. We get the audacity to cross the border of self-serving and step on the other side of what's in it for me. Because at the end of the day, this wasn't about Nehemiah, this was about Jerusalem. This was about Israel. Ultimately, this was about God. When, we break, when what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, we find this incredible strength to do amazing things. And you know the rest of the story. If you don't, you should read about it in the book of Nehemiah. We will look at another chapter a little later. 
but the story goes that he goes back, he's granted permission, he's given resources, and he goes back and under tremendous opposition gets to rebuild the wall. And in those days, they rebuilt the wall first and then the city so that once the wall was built, they could then be protected as they were rebuilding the city. This was really, really important. So, we find strength when, we, when what breaks God's heart breaks our heart. Does that make sense? And so I'm wondering, what breaks your heart? What breaks my heart? Does it reflect what breaks God's heart? The second reason, or the second ingredient in the recipe of strength that I found in the Bible from the, these amazing men and women of faith is we gather strength when we believe what God has promised us. When we become convinced and convicted of what God has promised us, we gather tremendous strength. There was a time when God had promised Israel their own land. And they had gone through a lot. And as years went by, the Philistines kind of began the tormentors of Israel in their own land. And there's this little, uh, very unknown passage in the Bible uh, that, that I couldn't believe it when I found it. It was, uh, it, I never read this before. Or I, I must have, but it never really hit me. Uh, as the Philistines are causing havoc, David and his mighty men come onto the scene. And one of David's mighty men is a guy by the name of Shammah. Shammah inspires me. Let me read you this little passage from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. Next to him was Shammah, son of Aji the Hararite. Shammah. And when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fell, fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory. Check out the scene. The Philistines are on the pursuit. The Israelites, David's mighty men, are actually on the run. They're retreating. Even Shammah is. And, and the way I picture it is that, that they're retreating and they're retreating and it comes to a point where Shammah says to himself, wait, wait, this is our land. If they're going to take this land, they're going to have to take me too. I love this moment. I kind of picture it, forgive my imagination, I, one of my favorite movies is The Gladiator. I kind of picture this, this scene you know, where the gladiator got his hand by the fields, the wheat fields, you know. I see Shammah through the lentil fields, you know, doing the same thing, and then suddenly he stops and he says, no, no, this field, this land was promised to Israel by God, and they will have to rip it out of my grasp. So the strength that caused Nehemiah to move into action now causes Shammah to stop. Isn't that interesting? Same strength. And the Bible says the Lord brought a great victory. 
See, here's what I believe, that when we believe God's promises, they enable us. We are convicted of their blessings. When we believe God's promises and when we are convicted of their blessings, we find the strength to stop and fight and win even the most challenging battles. I find myself weak, really weak, when I am no longer trusting God's promises. When we believe God's promises, when we are convinced of their blessings, we find the strength to stop and not bow down or submit to false gods like the three Hebrew slaves did, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember that story and the strength they got? When we believe God's promises and when we are convinced of their blessing, we find the, the strength to stop and like Caleb of old say these words, I am still as strong today when he's 80 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Give me the hill country of the Lord. Promise me this, that, that God promised me that day. 40 years later, he's like, I am not ready to retire. 80 years old, I'm still just as strong. I love that about Caleb. That's the kind of strength that we can have when we believe God's promises. So, when what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, we gain strength. When we gather strength from, from when we believe God's promises in our lives. And then thirdly, I love this one, probably my favorite one, we gain strength when we find joy in the Lord. Can I be honest with you? I've always been really taken back when I meet Christians who are constantly depressed. You know, I get it. I get it. We, we go through times. We, get, we have moments where we are struggling, and, and so we get down. That's okay. But I, I meet people that I just want to go up to them and say, hey, man, do you know that you're going to heaven? Do you know that Jesus died for you on the cross? I mean, you've been in the church for 30, 40, 50 years. You do know that you have salvation, right? You do know you can have assurance of salvation, don't you? I mean, can you notify your face that you know that? Because the reality is right now, it's like, how can you be sad? Right? I, I don't get it. In fact, here's the story. I, I love this. The nation of Israel is, is, a, is a, a history of conquered people. And during the time of Nehemiah, they were under the rule of Persia at this point. So these poor people, they're just constantly been through this. They had lost everything. They had lost their land. They had lost their reputation. They had lost their scriptures. They had lost their faith. And Nehemiah 8 talks about the time when the wall was rebuilt and they invited Ezra, the priest, to come out and the scriptures were rediscovered. And Ezra begins to read the scriptures. This is a beautiful, awesome moment. They, uh, Ezra uh, reads the scripture, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. And by the way, if you read a little bit before that, it talks about how Ezra not only read the scripture, but made it clear, explained it. I love that. Nehemiah chapter 8, 9 and 10 goes like this. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teachers of the law, and the Levites were instructing the people and said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. 
Do not mourn or weep. Are you catching this? For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. So they're hearing God's word, and they start to cry. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have not some to those who have nothing prepared. See, this day, he says, is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. And then he says these words. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you catch that? Ezra stands on the platform. He reads the scriptures. The people are moved to tears. I get it. I get it. But, but whether you're discovering anew or rediscovering the Bible anew, the beautiful truths of God should ultimately bring us joy, not sadness. I love what Nehemiah says. He says, you go out and you have a party. See, I was raised in a church where you had to be very quiet, where holiness of, of reverence meant you were quiet and somber. I was raised in a church where everything echoed so that when you heard the priest speaking, it just echoed. And if you said something, everybody knew. It echoed. And I'll never forget, I can't tell you how many times I was slapped by my mom telling me to be quiet. Some of you, some of you were, were, were raised in the church and you were fortunate enough to go to uh, Crater Roll and, and some of the uh, uh, children's Sabbath schools and you were taught to sing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Remember that? And then you got a little older and it was like, if you're happy and you know it, shut up and sit down. And I'm sitting here wondering, what is, some of us, some of us are actually convinced that holiness and, and sorrow are somewhat connected. As if God was like the cosmic killjoy. But it's not the suffering or the sorrow that brings us strength. The Bible says it's what? It's the joy in the holy that will bring you strength. It's the joy of the Lord that will bring you strength. Isn't that awesome? And so Ezra and Nehemiah are saying, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, throw a party, celebrate, send something to those who have nothing prepared. This is how people will know that we are now finally ready to build, that we are connected to the Holy One. Joy, that's the key. Brene Brown, some of you have heard her uh, or read some of her books. Uh, I love what she says. She says, uh, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience. Did you catch that? Joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience. And if we cannot tolerate joy, you start dress rehearsing tragedy. Have you ever, have you ever uh, had a conversation with somebody and, and you find yourself in a misery competition? Oh, man, my back, you know, oh, it's, it's oh, forget your back, you should see my back, you know? Uh, or, you know, 
boy, I tell you what, I, I had a tough week this week. Oh, you thought you, you think you had a tough week. <laughs> you should see my week, you know. We got to the point where we never even asked my, my Italian grandmother how she felt because she would just kind of take out this thing. Well, let me tell you how I'm feeling, you know, and next thing you know, there's this big list, and we'd have to listen to it, so we stopped asking her. We just told her we loved her. So when what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks our hearts, we gain strength. We gather strength when we believe what God has promised us. We gain strength as we find joy in the Lord. And then finally, this was the most surprising to me, but not really. And it really, really thrilled me to, to, to study this one out. The true strength is experienced in humbleness. Paul puts it this way, when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? That out of weakness, we are made strong. Isaiah chapter 40, 29 and 31, 29 through 31, says this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Strength to who? The weary. Increases the power of who? The weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. i got to be honest with you. When I read this when I was young, it was like, all right, cool, that's nice, whatever. Now that I'm old, I'm like, this is really cool. I like this verse. But what I missed was that he gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. There's an old saying, a lot of people think it's in the Bible, but it's not in the Bible. An old saying that says, God helps those who help themselves. Have you ever read, heard this before? It's not in the Bible. It's not even anywhere close in the Bible. In fact, what this verse is suggesting is the total opposite, that God helps those who cannot help themselves. God helps those who realize that, that we, we are weak, that we, that we need his strength. The moment I try to do it in my strength, I am so limited. Any attitude, any attitude of self-sufficiency self will automatically disqualify me from divine empowerment. Let me repeat that. Any attitude of self-sufficiency automatically disqualifies us from divine empowerment. To experience how great God is we must be willing to admit how weak we are. That's what this verse is telling us. And during these months where we, I've needed strength, I had to get to the point where I'm, I had to say, God, I don't have it. I'm weak. On one occasion, the champ, Muhammad Ali, was boarding border, uh, uh, um, a, a, an airplane and uh, he was putting on his routine with the passenger, you know, do, doing his things with the passengers and being, uh, if, you, if, you, if you knew anything about Muhammad Ali, uh, he, was, uh, he was very cocky in the way he talked. And uh, I actually got to meet him when I was a little boy, by the way. Uh, it was uh, interesting. My father somehow, uh, he was, Muhammad Ali was in Italy and I 
uh, and my father introduced me to him with my brothers. It was an ama- we didn't know who he was at the time. But when we came to the United States, later we saw some of his fights. We realized who this guy was, you know. So he's on this plane, and he's putting on his routine for the passengers. And the flight attendant finally gets to a point where she says, uh, we're about to take off. Champ, can you please sit down and buckle up? And Ali refused. And so they went back and forth. They went back and forth. And then finally Ali said, you know, do you know who I am? I am Superman, and Superman don't need to buckle up. And the flight attendant said, champ, you're right. Superman don't need to buckle up, but Superman don't need an airplane either, so sit down and buckle up. You know what? That's so true. It is only at that moment that we realize, uh, all right, you know what? She's right. I can't fly. I'm not really Superman. I just think I am. And ask Christopher Reeve what that means. We are not as strong as we think we are. All it takes is one time for a car to cut off in front of us at the wrong time. All it takes for some of us is one phone call. All it takes for some of us is one letter, one email. All it takes is one meeting. All it takes is one trip to the doctor's office. And those of us who all our lives thought we were invincible, we realize we're not. Brene Brown, another verse that I really love, another uh, passage that she gives, another quote I want to read to you. She says, the difficult thing is that vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you and the last thing I'm willing to show you from me. Vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you and the last thing I'm willing to show you from me. Wow. Well, that verse says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Man, am I looking forward to that. They will walk and not be faint. So you and I, we've been invited into the story of God long before you were here, long before I was here, and it would last long after we're gone. And you and I have this awesome part to play, and it's our very unique own part. But we cannot play it without God's strength. So where? are we going to get our strength from? Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the mountain. Does my strength come from the mountain? No. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountain. You know, in closing, I remember when Brianna was little, she loved the pool. She loved it. Anytime we could be somewhere where there was a swimming pool, man, she was there. And one of the things she loved to do is to stand on the ledge of the pool while I'm in the pool, and she would jump into my arms. And it was great, you know, and she would laugh, and 
And she would go, well, let's do it again, Daddy. And so, okay, let's go back on the ledge. And after a while, I get tired. You know, I was a young man at the time, but I got tired after a while. And at some point I said, honey, aren't you tired? I mean, no, Daddy, no, I'm not tired. Let's do it again. Aren't you afraid that, you know, I'm going to drop you, you're going to fall one of these times? And I'll never forget, she would say, of course not, Daddy. You're the strongest person in the world. I've learned to look at God that way. To tell God that I trust him because he is the strongest in the world. So, when God, when what breaks God's heart becomes what breaks your heart, you can have strength. We can gather strength when we believe what God has promised. We gain strength as we find joy in the Lord. We can experience true strength when we're willing to experience humbleness. I hope uh, that as we go through these next few weeks, and maybe it's the last stretch of this pandemic. That's my hope. Maybe some of us are, are, are feeling like we're going to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Ask God for strength. Look up and know that he is able. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the strength that you're willing to give us. And thank you for the examples of these men and women of faith that can help us understand what it really means to rely on your strength. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be humble, that you would help us to find your joy, that you would help us to commit to believing in your promises. And most of all, Lord, that we would recognize what breaks your heart, that it would break our heart, Lord. And may we find your strength. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Sabbath, church, and we'll see you next week. God bless.